We live? All right. And is the power on? Is the sound on this week? We're just checking. I, I'm just messing with Carly. Car, that was Carly's fault last week. Hey, we're super glad that y'all are here today watching online from wherever you are. Um, want to say that we, are, we do have our friends and our family in prayer that are affected by the hurricane that is going through this devastating um, Wilmington and North Carolina, even the Charlotte area. Uh, Anderson, we've, we got a little wind and a little rain, and that's about it. So we, we were just kind of blessed through this hurricane, but even in Greenville and Spartanburg, we know it's been pretty bad. So want to welcome you. If you're joining us online from wherever you're joining us in the U.S. or the world, we've got people from Scotland that join us sometimes, South Africa, Estonia. So super glad that you're with us today in week two of our series called Haters. Now, if you missed last week, you can go back on our YouTube channel or our podcast you can get our first message in the haters series this week. Um, and actually, we're going to continue it for several weeks because this has been a, such a fun series for me personally to dive into. And today, today, last week we talked about hating ourselves. Today, we're going to deal with a subject that all of us at some point or another have wrestled with. And let me just kind of say this before we get to the end of the message. By the time we get to the end of the message today, I'm not sure we're going to have the issue resolved, but we're at least going to know how to take steps toward resolving the issue. Let me set it up this way. Um, I grew up in Easley, South Carolina, and for some of you, this is going to be hard to even imagine. I grew up in a world without the internet, and so the world really was a humongous place. Today, Disney's got it right. It is a small, small world, but back in the early now, in the late 70s, early 80s, it wasn't a small world. And so there's this thing called sushi that, that I'd heard of, but sushi wasn't something that we ate in Easley, South Carolina. What, what, what the world calls sushi in Easley, we called it bait. Um, that's what we went fishing with, right? And so I, I just thought it was something that people ate in other countries and never really did think about it until about 10 years ago. Um, some friends of mine, we were talking. I was like, hey, what'd y'all do this weekend? They were like, we went to Greenville and had sushi. I went, they don't have sushi in Greenville. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, they have sushi in Anderson. I was like, no, we don't have sushi in Anderson. They were like, no, this is a place called Nami, and they told me about it. So I went to Nami. Um, now, I didn't have sushi because um, I wanted something cooked. So I had like a, a steak, and my friends ate sushi or whatever. Um, and I was like, it's just not my thing. But several weeks ago, I went with some friends, and they were like, you got to try it. You got to try it. You got to try it. And I was like, all right. So I'm looking down the list, and this, it was like something had eel in it. I'm not eating eel. Something had like squid. I'm like, I'm not doing squid. So I finally found something that I like. Now, let me pause. As I've told this story, several people are like, what'd you get? What role did you get? I don't know. I have no idea. It just had some stuff in it that looked halfway decent, and I just did that, and they brought it to me. And I'm going to say this, it was okay. This isn't like a Saul to Paul experience. This isn't a darkness to light. This isn't, I love it now. I'm just saying, if I was starving to death, I would probably eat it to save my life, okay? It wasn't, it wasn't, it's not a burger, all right? It was sushi. So several weeks later, some friend, some of the same friends called and said, hey, we're going to go eat sushi again. You got to go. And I was like, I don't know. They're like, no, 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 come on. So I go this time, and they're like, you got to get something different. I'm like, I've, and I'm a creature of habit, but, but I, found, I found something, and it had shrimp in it, and I like shrimp, 
and it had um, avocado in it. And I like avocado. And so I was like, just give me that. Now, here's what was really cool. When they brought the sushi roll out to the table on the plate, and I love avocado, on the side, there was a little scoop of guacamole. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The green stuff that comes with sushi? Some of y'all are laughing at me because you know where this is going. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing in the world. They brought guacamole with my sushi. So I took my spoon, this is not a lie, and I put the guacamole, guacamole, all over this one piece of sushi. Now, let me pause. This was not guacamole, but I didn't know. It's this stuff called wasabi. Wasabi is Japanese for set your butt on fire. That's, that's what it means. And, and nobody at the table, my friends that love me and love Jesus supposedly, are, they're just watching me put this guacamole all over this piece of sushi, and then I took the piece of sushi and I put it in my mouth. My, my, my nose started running, my eyes started running, my ears started bleeding, and my heart doesn't fully belong to Jesus because the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and what came out of my mouth was not edifying to the kingdom. So anyway, it was, it was, it's still painful to think about it, and, I, um, and, and everybody's laughing, everybody got a good laugh out of it, but as I look back on that, I start, some of you are like, what in the world does sushi and wasabi have to do with what we're talking about today? Well, last week we talked about hating ourselves. This week, we're talking about being somebody else's hater. Like, is there somebody that looks at you and says that, that they look at you or they look at me and they say, that's my hater right there. Today, we're going to talk about the subject of bitterness and unforgiveness because being bitter and unforgiving toward another person is like us putting wasabi in our mouth and expecting it to hurt them. Let me say it again. Us being bitter and angry toward another person is like us putting wasabi in our mouth and expecting it to hurt someone else. If you walked into a restaurant and you saw somebody eating wasabi and they're crying, they're hurting, and you're like, what are you doing? I'm mad at my friend. We would, we would think that's a little bit insane, but that's the same thing. Being bitter and angry at somebody, it robs us of our joy it really does hinder us in our relationship with Jesus, and it holds us back from experiencing an abundant life. Now, saying all of that to say this, forgiveness is not easy, but it's necessary for us to take our next step in our walk with Jesus. It's not easy. You, you'll hear some people, and they'll say, you just need to forgive. Easier said than done. So today we're going to talk about the why, today we're going to talk about the how, and like I said at the end of the message, I'm not saying you'll be ready to just totally forgive, but it'll, I think we're at least going to be set up for success in that area. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to start. Matthew chapter 18 is probably one of the most popular passages on the subject of forgiveness, and it's Jesus deals with it head on. Um, and I love how it opens up. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Now, I want to pause real quick and say that I love the fact that Matthew points out that Peter 
asked this question to Jesus. And I don't think Peter was asking a hypothetical question. I think Peter probably really wrestled with the issue of forgiveness. Now, there's a myth that exists in church world, and here's the myth. The closer you get to Jesus, the fewer problems you have. You ever heard that myth? The closer you get to Jesus, the fewer problems you have. The only problem with that myth is the Bible and life. If you take the Bible and life out of that, that myth's probably true. But I love the fact that this is Peter asked this question. Now, can you get much closer to Jesus than Peter? Peter like walked on water in Matthew chapter 14. Peter declared um, Jesus is the Messiah in Matthew chapter 16. I mean, Peter saw Jesus feed 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish. Yet we see this guy that's close to Jesus wrestling with this issue of forgiveness. So if you're wrestling with this issue of forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means that you're a human being. And the fact that you're wrestling with it is good because that's evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. And Peter said, all right, listen, should I forgive seven? Now, it's really interesting that he said that because the Pharisees at the time said you needed to forgive three times. So Peter was like, can I, can I just forgive like seven times? And seven is the number of, of completion in, in the scriptures. So I love Jesus' answer. Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, I don't know about you, but I can still remember people that hurt me, okay? John Stevens made fun of me in kindergarten for liking a girl named Holly. Brian Jones gave me a bloody nose in the first grade. Roy Pettit got me a paddling in the fourth grade. Meatball called me a virgin in the fifth grade, and I yelled I'm not a virgin, and had an interesting discussion with my parents and my principal. I mean, I can still remember things that happen like that. And some of us, we can remember things that happen like that, and they're funny, but then some of us can remember people that hurt us, and it's not so funny. In fact, if we think about it, it still bothers us immensely. But Jesus comes back and says, you got to forgive them not seven times, but 77 times. Or some translations say 70 times seven. Now, this doesn't mean, because some people are literal. They're like, all right, I'm going to get a piece of paper. I'm going to get a pen. I'm going to write it down. And once we get to 78, I don't have to forgive you anymore. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that we must continually be and an attitude of forgiveness. In other words, if you want to write it down, you can say this. Forgiveness is not a one-time decision, but an ongoing process. I would love to be able to say, today I forgive blank, and it be over. But have you ever thought you had forgiven somebody, and then a week later you get mad at that person again for what you thought you forgave them for? Once again, doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you're a human being who is really wrestling with an issue. Now, let me pause. It's a problem when we don't wrestle with it. It's a problem when we say, I hate them and I'm okay with hating them. But it, because that means the Holy Spirit is not at work in our lives. That's why we've got to make a ongoing decision to forgive. I'm going to forgive today. If I'm mad tomorrow, I'm going to forgive tomorrow. I'm going to forgive the next day. I'm going to forgive the next day. It's an ongoing process. Just like you get up and brush your teeth every day, hopefully. Brush your teeth every day. Just like you take a shower every day, maybe, unless you're in middle school and you use Axe body spray. I don't know. But for, I, what I know is that forgiveness is not a one-time decision. 
It's an ongoing process. So once again, if you're wrestling with this, it's it, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, sometimes hourly. We've got to be willing to make the choice to forgive. Now, it, it, keeps, it keeps on going. It keeps on going. Jesus starts into a story. And every time Jesus wants to prove a point, he tells a story. He says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And, and this makes sense because at, at the end of all days, one of these days, we're going to stand before God and we're going to have to settle accounts. Neither we pay or Jesus pays. That's what be, becoming a Christian is, receiving Christ into our life and understanding that Jesus makes the payment for our sins. And so Jesus is kind of setting that up. And he says, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, I want to pause real quick because in our economy, I mean, 10,000 bags of gold is a lot. But when Jesus is telling this story, he comes up with an amount that's so large that when he said it, Peter and anybody else that was listening was like, whoa, because, because there's no way that they could pay back. There's no way they could pay this back. So the guy owes 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, that's what Jesus said, he wasn't able to pay. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. In other words, major situation right here. Now, all of us have probably had the experience where we spent way more than we thought we spent. Like when we first got the credit card, I remember the credit card. Credit cards, some of you that are my age, you remember when they used to do the rack machines, like the and you, could, you got the receipt. But then, then you were able to swipe. And isn't it just easy to swipe that card? Just swipe it. And now they got the chip reader. The chip reader freaks me out because you stick the thing in it and it starts going, and you feel like if you don't pull it out, the whole store is going to blow up. But... Think about the swipe thing for just a second. Isn't it easy to swipe? And haven't, haven't you gotten that credit card bill in one month and thought, I, I didn't spend this much? And you, somebody has stolen my identity. And then you looked and you're like, no, no, I ordered that, I ordered that, I ordered that, I ordered that. It's, it's, it's amazing how much we can accumulate. Well, the same thing's true with sin. When it comes to our sin debt, there's no way that we could pay. When it comes to our sin debt, there's no way that we could pay, just like the man in the story. When it comes to our, what we've done in relationship to sin, look, I want to pause. I want to pause. I, every once in a while, people will freak out about, well, the Ten Commandments need to be posted on the school walls. The Ten Commandments need to be posted here. You know what? All of us have broken all ten. All ten. Now, some of you are pushing back. I have never killed anybody. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that if you hated somebody, it's the same as murder. I'm telling you, we've, we've broken all 10. We've broken all 10. Jesus said this guy couldn't pay because he had accumulated so much debt. And this is, this is the major problem in the world. It's not who's in the White House or what the economy is doing. It's our relationship with Jesus and what's going on with our sin. So, so Jesus goes on to talk about it. And he says, at, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. Notice those four words. Those are huge. We're going to come back to that in just a little while. Be patient with me, he begged, 
and I will pay back everything, which he couldn't. Like everybody knew he had accumulated so much debt that he couldn't pay it back. And this is, this is equivalent to telling God, God, if you'll forgive me, I'll never do it again. How many's ever said that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And we've asked for forgiveness. God, if you'll forgive me, I'll never do it again. Meanwhile, we booked tickets already to do it again, but we say that in the moment just to feel better about ourselves. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right. So he said, be patient with me. Now here's the deal. I love patient people. I'm not a patient person, but I love patient people. Like for example, my dad, my dad, when he was teaching me to drive, was the most impatient person on the planet. He, it got to the point where he started cussing before we even got in the car. Like, and like words I didn't even know, and I couldn't Google them at the time. I was like, ah, what in the world? And, and when somebody starts yelling at me, I don't know, I start freaking out, and I would like run off the road, and, he's, and then he's finally, there was one time he was like, if this is the way you're going to drive, just stop the car right now. And I just stopped the car in the middle of the road. And then he's cussing even more. And I'm like, I did what you told me to do. But, but, but my sister, my sister was so cool. Like she'd get in the car with me and she'd be like, you know, let's just do this. Let's do that. My, my dad took credit for teaching me how to drive. But my sister's actually the one that taught me how to drive because she was patient with me. All of us want people to be patient with us. Now we're going to go into more, we're going to go into this more next week, but here's what you need to understand about God when it comes to us. He's super patient with us. He's like, he's not like my dad yelling at us the whole time. There's way too many people that think that God is mad at them, but God's super patient. And that's what the guy asked for. He said, be patient with me and I'll pay back everything, which he, which he couldn't have done. And, and the story goes on to say, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This is, this is remarkable. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So let me give you this definition of forgiveness. And somebody else much smarter than me came up with this several years ago, and I can't remember exactly where I heard it, but this is what forgiveness is according to this story and according to our relationship with Jesus and according to our relationship with other people. This is the best definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness equals you don't owe me anymore. You don't owe me anymore. That's what the guy said. The guy accumulated all this debt and the master looks at him, forgives the debt and says, you don't owe me anymore. When we accept Jesus into our life, when it comes to our sin, God says, you don't owe me anymore. Jesus, like the old hymn says, Jesus paid it all. You don't owe me anymore. And it's the same thing with us and forgiveness with other people is when we can look at them because see, if we hold bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart toward another person, then they owe us something. They owe us an apology. They owe us an explanation. They owe us um, years of begging for our forgiveness. They owe us, they owe us, they owe us. But forgiveness is when we can get to the point where we can literally say, they don't owe me anymore. Now let's play a game called Let's Pretend. Let's pretend that you get a phone call tomorrow, because it's Monday, and, and, and it's your bank. And your bank says, listen, um, really weird. Somebody just came in and they paid off your house and they paid off your student loans, and they paid off your credit card, 
and they paid off your car. Um, how many of you would call that a good day? If that, okay, yeah, no, both hands up. I'd stick a leg up too, right? I mean, that's, you, like you would, I would want to know who the person was. I, I want to give them a hug. I, I, like that is a reason to celebrate, right? Okay, so let's pretend, because that's what basically what happened to this guy. The master paid off everything. Okay, you don't owe me anymore. You, you, you don't owe me anymore. You know, like millions of dollars, you don't owe me anymore. But then this is what happens. This is crazy. Watch this. But when that servant went out, so he leaves the presence of the master, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now, understand, the guy did owe him, but it wasn't that much, especially compared to the debt he owed the master. He grabbed him and began to choke him, okay? Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Now, if you're watching this story, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait, wait. He just got forgiven. He's a this would be like, you, you just got your house paid off, your car paid off, your credit card paid off, your student loans paid off, you're super happy, you go, you're riding down the road, you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta get some gas, so you pull in the QT, because that's where all the cool people get gas, so you pull in the QT, and you walk inside, and you see a guy in QT that you saw, that last week you saw him in there, and he didn't have any cash on him, so you gave him $2 for a Coke, so he could buy a Coke, and this week you see him, and you're going, hey man, you got my $2, and he goes, no, and then all of a sudden, you start grabbing him, choking him out right at the cash register at QT. How bizarre would that be? Nobody in here would go, well, you know, he deserved it. He, he borrowed the $2. Yeah, but you just got your house and your car and your student loans and your credit card paid off. And you're going to choke somebody over $2? He legitimately owed the $2, but come on, come on. Let's not lose sight of the fact that somebody paid off our debt. And that's what Jesus is getting to here. Jesus is, what's, what's crazy is, don't miss this. He leaves the, the servant leaves the master, and when he goes out, the Bible doesn't say he ran into one of his fellow servants. The Bible says he found him. In other words, this is a heart issue. There was something in his heart that allowed him to receive forgiveness, but not extend forgiveness. It's a little messed up. He goes and begins to choke him. I had a friend that got into MMA, uh, and was really, he, said, he told me, he said, it's a great stress reliever. It's a great stress reliever. You ought to try it sometime. And, and I was interested. I was like, man, fighting a little bit, and not, but not getting too serious? That sounds kind of cool. And he goes, if you come fight with us, though, he said, the first day you come, you got to let somebody choke you out. I was like, wow, <laughs> what? He's like, you got to let somebody choke you out. He said, because you need to know how it feels. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, want to know how it feels. So I've never gone. But, but, but to, so, cause to get choked is serious. This guy's trying to hurt him. Now, now watch this. Watch this because this is super interesting. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, watch, be patient with me. Pause. Where have we heard that before? Oh, that's what this guy said to the master. The same thing that this guy said to the master is the same thing that his fellow servant said to him. Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. 
I will pay you back. If you just give me some time, I'll pay back what I owe you. But he refused. He refused to forgive. He refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, which is stupid because if you throw somebody in prison, they're not going to be able to pay the debt. He was unforgiving. Now, I just want to be super blunt and super honest. Some people love the fact that I'm so honest and some people hate it. But I'm just going to tell you that hating somebody and having that imaginary conversation in your mind where you're always right and they're always wrong and you're standing over them and they're crying, that kind of feels good, doesn't it? Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Oh, I'm in the spirit. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not in the spirit. You're on crack. Because that convert, that imaginary situation in our minds so many times feels so, forgiveness, unforgiveness sometimes feels so good until we experience the consequences of it because it holds us back in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with others. And that's what this guy does. He goes and has him thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Here's the deal with people that are bitter and angry. Other people can see it. Other people can see it. You can hide and disguise a lot of things, but we can't hide or disguise bitterness or anger. It always just, it always just comes out. Always comes out. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In other words, this is what God's saying. We receive God's grace. God says, because you receive my grace, that's what I want you to offer to other people. And our argument to God is, they don't deserve it. And God's like, you want to talk about what you deserve? None of us deserved it, the grace of God. And so when we're looking at people going, they don't deserve it, we put ourselves in the judge's seat. And, and God says, no, 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 you're not supposed to do that. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And this is a sad situation. It didn't have to turn out this way. Now, this is, this is what some people are thinking. I know you're thinking this because I've, I wrestle with this too. Period, if I forgive somebody, am I not letting them off the hook? Like, if I forgive them, I'm letting them off the hook. And that's not actually true. Forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. It's letting me off the hook. If, we're gonna, if we extend forgiveness, it doesn't let them off the hook. It lets us off the hook. Because the guy in this story that was unforgiving, he got sent back to jail and tortured. The guy that he refused to forgive, 
I mean, I, we, don't, we, we don't know. Jesus never addressed that. Jesus just basically is saying in the story, if we're going to receive God's grace, we need to extend God's grace to others. And he, then Jesus finishes off with this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, that right there is one of the most difficult things in the Bible, in my opinion. Because if somebody has hurt you or wounded you, it's really hard to let that go. I'll finish with this story. I've never, I've never told this part of the story. It's a little embarrassing, the last part of it, but it's, um, I felt like it was necessary. Uh, I, was, I was molested for the first time when I was five. I remember where it happened. I remember exactly where I was. I remember uh, what the weather was like. I remember, I remember everything about the situation. And I remember the guy that did it. I remember his name. I'm not going to use his name, but I remember his name very well. And uh, after it happened, I, I, I tried to tell somebody, but kind of got laughed at a little bit and told I was making it up. And so I didn't really do anything with it. But what happened in my heart, now I didn't know Christ at the time, keep this in mind, is years and years and years of not talking about it and not dealing with it, anger and bitterness like really built up in my heart. So one night when I was 14 years old, I was in a pool hall with some of my friends um, in Eastley, and we were playing pool, and I looked up at the counter, because it was a bar as well, and the guy that had molested me nine years before was sitting at the bar, but his back was to me. And I, I can't explain it. I, I, don't, I don't really know what happened other than just anger and rage came over me. Anger and rage. And I gave, I gave serious consideration, because I'd seen this in a movie somewhere, to breaking the pool stick and going up behind him and just stabbing him in the back. I didn't, I didn't really want to kill him. I just wanted to hurt him. And as I sat there and thought about it, it's dark, isn't it? This is dark, right? Right? I'm better now. Um, but as I sat there and thought about it, I loved the thought of how that was going to feel. And all of a sudden, one of my friends came over and said, hey, you know, and kind of something happened. And long story short, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Fast forward, if, so I, I meet Christ um, about four or five years later. And then when I'm in my senior year of college, I'm also working part-time at a church, and I'm getting ready to preach this text that I just read to you on the subject of forgiveness. And as I'm studying in my dorm room that Sunday afternoon, because I'm preaching that Sunday night, God spoke to my heart and said, you've got to forgive, and then reminded me of the guy's name. And I was like, I don't want to forgive him. I mean, he, like, I was five, God. By the way, where were you? We'll talk about that next week. 
where were you when this happened? I mean, how could this happen? I mean, what, what in the world? And, I, and God's like, you got to forgive him. You got to forgive him. You got to forgive him. So, so on that day, I literally said, just arms out like this, I forgive, and I called his name. And you know what? I didn't even think about it again for about a week. And then some, something happened, in his, and I, every time, even till this day, and I'm 47, it happened 42 years ago, even till this day, when his name pops up in my mind, I have to literally go, I am choosing to forgive him right now. Because forgiveness for us is not a one-time decision. Oh my gosh, don't you wish it was? I wish I had a forgiveness button and I could say, this is a forgiveness button. And if you will push this button, you'll never be angry at anybody ever again. I mean, and I would push the button. I would push it twice because I don't like what that does to my heart and my soul. I'm just saying every time I wrestle with it, I have to choose to forgive in that moment. And so if you're here today and you've been wounded and you've been hurt, I want to pause. And I talked about this, I think it was last week or the week before last. I'm not telling you to get over it. I'm not telling you to get over it because it's really difficult to get over stuff like that. I'm telling you that the right thing to do, if you've received Christ into your life, the right thing to do is just like Jesus has forgiven us, is for us in the moment to make the choice to forgive them. With that in mind, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your forgiveness. Jesus, as, as you were being crucified, you prayed for the forgiveness for the people that were crucifying you. And Father, I pray for all of us right now, watching online, sitting at LifeSpring in Tennessee, God, that are really wrestling with the fact that somebody has hurt us, legitimately hurt us in our past. I pray, Jesus, right now, that you would help us begin to step into offering them the same grace that you gave to us. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know what the Lord is saying to you right now, but maybe, maybe, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you just need to pray a prayer in your heart and say, Jesus, right now, I choose to forgive, and you fill in the blank. Right now, I choose forgive. Help me keep forgiving. And maybe you're here and you've never accepted God's grace. You're like the first guy, you're like the guy in the story. You owe a debt. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never said, yes, you want to follow Jesus because when he comes in, he gives you, he will equip you with the grace and the ability to forgive other people. And maybe the reason you've never been able to forgive is because you've never accepted God's forgiveness. If that's you here today and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, I just want you to pray right where you are right now, right where you're sitting and just say, Jesus I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins 
And right now, I receive you into my life. Come in, take over. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you pray to receive Christ, if you do, do us a favor, indicate with a hand raise online, if you're online, or if you're at LifeSpring, they'll tell you, they'll, they'll, somebody will come up and close the service and let you know what you need to do. If you're on Facebook, if you'll do the hand raise emoji, that would be incredible because we want to do anything we can to help you take your next step. And hey, if you're really wrestling with this, I understand. I'm, I'm actually putting a devotional, like about a three-minute devotional on the Second Chance Facebook page tomorrow on what it takes sometimes to forgive. And, that's, and so if you're connected with us on our Second Chance Facebook, I'm going to put it on Second Chance Facebook, hopefully by tomorrow morning, maybe tomorrow afternoon, um, probably by tomorrow evening. Speaking of Second Chance, I'm super excited about uh, what's going on with our building. We've had a lot of people ask the question, when are we going to move into the building? I was in there. I did a Facebook Live from there yesterday. It's looking real good. We got some paint. We got some flooring. But we're going to get in the building when we raise the money to get in the building. That's when we're going to get in the building. And so far, um, the building, we got $168,224.71. We're, we're trying to raise $250,000. And so when that number gets to $250K, we'll be able to buy stuff. Because right now, if we started meeting in there, we don't have a sound system. We don't have lights in the auditorium. We don't have chairs. We could all stand. Everybody stood in church until the 11th century anyway, and then they put pews in, and it was a major, it was, anyway, no, I'm geeking out on church history right there. So this is what we got so far. So for those of you that are giving towards the 250K fund, or for those of you that are regular givers at Second Chance, thank you so much. Everything you're doing is getting us one step closer to getting to the building. And once again, if you want to start giving or begin giving, this is our website. You can give on our website or you can mail a check in um, or a money order. We've gotten a couple of those recently. I'd for, I, I remember those. Um, you can mail a check or a money order um, to this address right here, and we'll make sure it gets um, in the bank, and we're getting one step closer every single week. So for those of you guys that are giving, thank you. Next week, next week, we're going to talk about, um, we talked about self-hate. Today, we talked about hating others. Next week, we're going to talk about, have you ever been mad at God? And dive into that and see what that looks like. So see you next week. Love you guys. Best is yet to come.